Welcome to the home of the blessed people. And here is our host pastor, Pastor Dio Adeomo. People of God said, Amen. Come on, put those winning hands together for Jesus. Come on, grab your Bibles, your writing materials in your various homes, in your living rooms, bedrooms, or other rooms you are in, and just connect to what God is out to do in your life in this special day. Today is not an ordinary day. It's in your month of victory, and it's not over until it's over. God is not the God of the 12th hour alone. He's the God of the 13th hour. He's a God that is able to bring to you every of your heart's desire. Even the things you do not desire nor ask is able to bring it your way. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power of God that is at work in us. Today, I'm bringing a message captioned, Steps to Victory. It's our month of victory, and I want to break it down. I want to break it down in such a way that it will be very practical for you. Anytime you need victory, anytime you need to overcome a particular battle or a particular challenge, these steps will keep on working for you. Praise God. I want you to know that we are in a warfare, not in a playfair. Life is a warfare, not a playfair. I repeat myself, life is a warfare. It is not a play fair. It is not on a plain field, so to speak. In life, in general, we have an adversary. An adversary we didn't bring upon ourselves, but because the adversary rebelled against our God and everything precious to God, he wants to come after. That is why we have an adversary called Satan, the devil. That is why he will always come after you. You don't need to do anything. He will come after you because he hates our God. He has come against our God, and therefore he comes against everything precious to our God. And God has allowed it to be so for now. That is why he has commanded us through Jesus Christ to rule in the midst of our enemies. Enemies will be roundabout, but we have the authority. We have the power to rule, to be in charge, to dominate even in the presence of our enemy. So there's an enemy out there. The enemy is constantly working. The Bible makes us to understand he does not sleep nor slumber. God doesn't sleep nor slumber. He himself goes to and fro throughout the earth, seeking whom he may devour. But I speak over your life, he will not get you. I say I speak over your life, he will not get your children. He will not get your marriage. He will not get your joy. He will not get prosperity. He will not get your prosperity. He will not get your health. He will not get your wealth. He will not get your, your victory in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout yes. The enemy will not get you. Though he's there, we know he's there. God has told us he's there. But we are going to rule in the midst of our enemies. Now, because we are going to rule in the midst of our enemies, we know we are in a warfare. Because the word victory itself tells us there's a battle. If there's no battle, there's no victory. Victory is not needed when there's no battle. Praise God. Now, now, we know that there is a warfare out there. Also, because we know there is a warfare, 
We need a strategy at all times to put us in the place God has placed us, that is, to be victorious. We need a strategy. And I'm going to go over the seven steps, seven steps to victory. I'm going to be mixing step one and two together so that we can beat the time. Step one is simply locating the word of God. And step two is mixing the word of God with faith. When you are in a challenge, when you are in a, when it seems as if the devil has boxed you into a corner, when it seems that the devil has uh, taken what rightfully belongs to you, the first thing you do is locate the word of God. What does the word of God have to say about this situation? And where I can get the word of God is in the Bible, the written word. I'll go to my scriptures and locate the word of God. Everybody said, locate the word of God. Now, it's not only to locate the word of God. You must take that word and mix it with faith in your heart. You must mix it with faith in your heart. For example, John 3.16. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his can we put that there? John 3.16. I want it on the screen for the people of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, scriptures like this is universal. It's general. Scripture like this is for everybody. For God so loved the world. It's for everybody. There are scriptures like that they are general scriptures. It's for everybody. This is an example of a scripture that is for everybody. Because when we are locating the scripture, we must know what we are locating. Now, also, apart from general scriptures, there are what we call specific scriptures. That is, the scriptures are addressed to a particular nation, to a particular group of people, or to a particular person. That is, it's not general, it is specific. It's written to an individual or a nation. For example, John 3, 7. John 3, 7. Let's quickly put that on for the people of God. This scripture, sorry, uh, Joshua, Joshua 3, 7. Not John 3, 7. Joshua 3, 7. Now, this scripture is written to a particular person. Joshua 3, 7. It says, and the Lord said to... Joshua. Now, who is this scripture written to already? It's Joshua. We know it's Joshua. He said, the Lord said unto Joshua, this day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. Now, this is a specific scripture for Joshua. Amen. Praise God. Now, we know clearly that this scripture is written to Joshua. It's written to an individual. Sometimes you have scriptures that are written to nations. Now, you may be looking for promotion. Maybe that's the victory you want to obtain. You may be looking for an open door. You get a scripture like this. Suddenly, somebody says to you, but this scripture is written to Joshua specifically. Is not written to you. Now, 
But mixing the word of God with faith is taking the general scripture, like John 3.16, or the specific scripture, just like Joshua 3.7, and then personalizing it to yourself. How do you convert a scripture that was written to Joshua? How can God intend it for you also? Because the Bible says, so go ahead for this word. His word does not return to him void until it has accomplished the purpose for which it has been sent. How can a scripture that was written specifically either to a nation, to a group of people, or to an individual personally, how can you tap into that kind of scripture and it will work for you? This is what is called personalizing his promises. Personalizing the promises of God. To do this is okay. To take the name of Joshua out of that and put your name that the Lord said unto Dio, this day I will begin to magnify thee. It's scriptural. But before it can become yours, it goes through the process of mixing it with faith. It cannot be yours like that. You will have to mix it with faith. Because as I'm talking to you, you're already believing that this thing is wrong. It's not for you, it's for Joshua. But until you meditate on the word of God, then you will know that this word can become yours. What are you doing? What you are doing is mixing your faith with the word of God. And it goes through the process of meditating on the word. The word meditate simply means to think something through. To think it through. How can that word belonging to Israel? How can that word belonging to Joshua? How can it be yours? Praise the Lord. If it applies to Joshua, it can apply to you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God is rich unto all. The Bible describes him that he's a God with no partiality. If he has done it for one, he's able to do it for you. I said if he has done it for one, he's able to do it for you. There is somebody hearing the sound of my voice. It is your turn to be done for in the name of Jesus Christ. Acts 10, 37. The Bible says in him there is no partiality. He said that word, I say, you know, which was published throughout Judea. And began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Did you see that? That word, I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea. And began from Galilee after the baptism of John was preached. The word started spreading. The word is available. No partiality in God. If you walk right, he is applying. Praise God. Give me Acts 10, 34. Acts 10, 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. 35. But if every nation... He that feareth him and walketh righteousness is accepted of him. He's not a partial God. So you ask yourself, are you in this category? 
Do you fear him? Are you a worker of righteousness? Then you are accepted of him. The Bible says he's not a partial God. What he has done for one, he will do for you too. If he did it for Joshua, he's able to do it for you. You see, when you talk through scriptures this way, what you are doing is you are mixing that word with faith. You are converting that word because he's a God that is rich to all. What he has done for one, he will do for you. The word is sent for Joshua, they can send for you too. So you are mixing that word with faith. You are bringing it home to be yours. Meditation is what we are doing right now. It converts the general promise and makes it a specific promise to you. It converts both the general promise, specific promises to others, whether to a nation, to a group of people, or to an individual, he can make it for you through the process of mixing it with faith via the platform of meditation. Meditation, again, simply means to think scriptures through. If you stay and say, well, that scripture is for Joshua, it's not for me, you will never experience what Joshua experienced to. That the Lord should be magnified through you. But when you go through the process of mixing that scripture with faith, that the same God that magnified himself in Joshua can magnify himself in me. In him, there is no partiality. Are you listening to me? You can bring it home to your life. Amen. If somebody is telling you tomorrow, that it doesn't apply to you, is for Joshua. Reply the person, say, it's too late. Faith has come alive. That's what meditation does. It brings your faith alive. That this same God can reach to me as he has reached to Joshua. Are you with me today? I see God come through for you in the name of Jesus. For example, there's another scripture that says, you shall not be barren. But if you look at that scripture, nor make or cast your young in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 14. It says you shall not be barren, neither cast your young in the land. If you look at that scripture, you will say, oh, it is only for Israel. Praise God. Because it was the nation of Israel that God was talking to. Praise God. This promise, as at the time it was written, it was written concerning Israel. So you can say, oh, well, maybe that is a specific promise for Israel. And, but you see, until you go on the platform of meditation, you will come across scriptures like uh, Romans 2.28 and 29. Let's quickly read that. Romans 2.28 and 29. Romans 2, 28 and 29. You say, okay, it's for Israel. But the scripture says in the new covenant, in Romans 2, 28, he said, for he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, neither is this of circumcision which is outward in the flesh. That's not how you qualify a Jew. That is not how you qualify the Israel of God. Verse 29 tells us how to qualify them. 
You see what meditation is bringing out now? Thinking through the scripture. He says, but he is a Jew which is one inwardly. Really? Is one where? Inwardly. So it's not the pigmentation of your skin. It's not the location of your birth that makes you a, a Jew. It's something that is internal. Everybody say internal affairs. There are a lot of things about internal affairs. It's internal. Hallelujah. He now says, and circumcision is that which is of the heart, in the spirit and not in the letter. Those praise is not of men, but of God. Now we know how a Jew is born now. It's inwardly. Praise God. Are you listening to me? So now, can you now deny, if you are in Christ, can you deny that you are not a Jew? You are. You are a spiritual Jew. Are you listening to me? So Jews are from Abraham. Abraham was the one who started the Jewish race. And the Bible says in Galatians 3.29, look at it. We are meditating. Everybody say meditating. This is it. You are going through scriptures. Now, now, now. Look at what it says in Galatians 3.29. If ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed. Abraham started the Jewish race. He said, the Bible says, once I am Christ, who am I now? Abraham's seed. So therefore, by impartation and by election, I am a spiritual Jew. It's inward. Do you see the convert? And hears according to the promise. So when I see a scripture that is talking to the nation of the Jews, I am a partaker of that promise. So that is why I know in my own household too, I will not be buried. Neither male or female will be buried. No low spam count in my own generation. No short womb in my generation. Why? Because I carry the promise of God that says to me a spiritual Jew. To say to me a Jew. Why am I a Jew? I've just showed you. By Abraham I'm connected. Inwardly I'm connected. And that is why that promise is mine. Do you see now? So whether it is a general promise or a specific promise, meditation is the platform I bring it to become my promise. A general promise might not even be for you if you don't know how to convert it. Praise God. So ladies and gentlemen, this is what we first do. I connect through meditation. It makes God's word come alive. It makes God's word become mine. People just want to pray, but what are we doing? It's not just jumping into prayer. This is the first thing you do before you start praying. You have to know, because in victory, people think, oh, let's jump into prayers. No, I got to first locate the word. I got to first, after locating the word, what do I do with the word? I mix faith with the word. I know this word is mine, and heaven and earth can pass away. Not a word, not a judge, not an iota of God's word will go away unfulfilled in my life. Praise God. So this is where I begin my victory journey. Steps one and two. What did I call it again? Steps one and two. Locating the word and what? Mixing the word with faith. You personalize it. 
you get into the habit of writing your name in the scriptures. The Lord said unto Joshua, no, it's unto Dio. You say it as it is. While you have gone through the, pro the, 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 the process of meditation, you have brought that scripture. You have personalized it to yourself. Praise the Lord. These first two steps will do something in your life. It will give you confidence. Everybody say confidence. You have confidence. Please follow through the teaching today because I know there are many of us out there. We are having one thing or the other we want to have victory in. These principles are going to, if you apply them in your life, it will work like fire. Locate the scriptures. Mix that scripture with your faith. These two things will give you confidence. First John 14 and 15. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. I want you to see the confidence. Praise God. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, the word of God is the will of God. If we ask him anything according to his word, I haven't finished that place. Please go back to 14. If I ask anything according to his will or his word, he does what? He hears me. That's the first step. We sang that song this morning that he hears us when we call. Why? This is the confidence. We ask according to his will. We ask according to his word. Then verse 15 now says, verse 15, and if we know that he hears us, whatsoever we ask, we should also know that we have the petitions we have desired of him. We should also know we have the petitions. We should also know that those things we ask will come to pass. And the Bible says, this is the confidence we have in him. So the first two things will give you confidence, ladies and gentlemen. That this is a victory mission. I've located the word. I've mixed it with faith in my heart. Uh, there's victory. But however, there are other steps we need to follow. But you come to God with this assurance. That is what God loves. That is what God loves. I know I can't be barren. Why? Because you said to Israel, this promise... And this promise is converted to me because I'm an Israelite. Praise God. Somebody can take the same promise and have victory. And I speak to somebody hearing the sound of my voice. That barrenness is terminated this year forever in the name of Jesus. Step number three. Present your case to God. Traditionally, this is where prayer starts. But you see, most of the time, we have missed the first two steps. We have not approached him with confidence. We have not come with a rema word. We don't have a solid word with which we are approaching the throne room of God. So, we have truncated our victory already. That's why the Bible says, cast not away your confidence, which has great recompense of reward. Many people come to the throne room of God with no confidence. You come with tears. You come with 
weeping, but that is not what will make things happen in the throne. The throne works with the principles of his word. Praise God. And that's one thing I want you to note, ladies and gentlemen. So this is now step three. This is the place of prayer. Present your case to God. That's the third step. Scripturally, prayer starts with step one and two. Traditionally, this is where people want to start prayer. But step one and two, locate the word. Before you start praying, locate the word first. Meditate on the word. Mix it with faith in your heart. Then let it have that confidence. When you have that confidence, then step three comes in. Let's approach the throne room of God. Because you see, there's protocol in approaching the throne room. Many believers break that protocol. You come with confidence. Oh, I love it when my kids come to me with confidence. Oh, it brings out the fatherly nature. The source that God has called us as a father. He brings it out. Praise God. And that's how we should approach God. With confidence. Everybody say confidence. Father, we have confidence by the blood of Jesus to come into the place where you are. Ah, to come into the place where you are. Praise God. Isaiah 41, 40, 21. Quickly. Isaiah 41, 21. Put it off the screen for the people of God. How do we come to the throne room of grace? How do we present our case to God? Listen, God calls us. He wants you and I to present our case. He wants us. He said, produce your cause. Sayeth the Lord, bring forth your strong reasons, sayeth the king of Jacob. That's how God wants you to approach it. Your strong reasons. Come. God is saying come. Produce your cause. State your case. Why do you want me to do this for you? Why do you want this to be done? What you are knocking my door for. Why do you want it to be done? Listen to what he says in verse 21. Bring your strong reasons. Don't bring reasons. Bring your strong reasons. He did not say bring your reasons. He said bring your strong reasons. Many reasons are so weak. Did he say bring your complaint? But that's what people do when they approach the throne room of God. He said, Lord, you know, I don't have a job. And I have to pay rent. Complain. He did not say come with complain. He said come with your strong reasons. If you want to do it, some people say, if you want to do it, do it. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Complain. Everybody say complain. God says, give me your strong reasons. Why should I do it? I can do it. God says I can do it. But why? God is still God. You can't threaten God. Neither can you blackmail him. Some people have learned how to blackmail God in prayer. Some people have learned how to threaten God in prayer. 
Yeah. God, if you don't do it, <laughs> if you don't do it, <laughs> okay. If you don't, why are you talking to your mate? He says, come with your strong reasons. Not complain, not grumbling. No reason is strong as the scriptures to bring to God. Approach him with his word. Are you listening? Lord, I brought her to Christ. This is some people's prayer. Lord, I brought her to Christ. Now she has a baby. Even me that I've been, that I've been worshiping you, since, what is my gain? What is that? Foolishness. Complain. Murmuring. Grumbling. Talking of prosperity, people broke. He said, look, through the riches of Christ, 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he were rich, for our sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we can become rich. I thank you. This is how you approach God. I thank you. I honor you. I'm coming with my strong reasons now. I thank you. I honor you. Amongst the gods, there is no one like you. You own a thousand cattle upon the hill. You are richer than the richest. You allow him. You allow his name. Your word says, not the landlord says. Not that the landlord says, if I don't come up with this rent, is giving me eviction notice. That's not, that's not how to approach God. It's your word, says. Are you listening to me? Your word says. Your word says. Your word says. Joel 2, 26 and 27. He says, I will never be put to shame. But let's read it there. He says, and you shall eat in plenty. And ye shall be satisfied. And praise the name of your Lord, your God. And because he has dealt wondrously with you, my people shall never be ashamed. Verse 27. He repeats it again. Verse 27. And ye shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. And that I am the Lord, your God, and none else. And my people shall never be put to shame. Now, some people read this scripture, you say, uh, it's his people. Who are his people? Israel. What have I just taught you how to do? You see now, that is how we get more of those promises. We've learned to, through meditating, mixing our faith with the word, we take delivery of the promises of God. Praise God. Even though this was being spoken to Israel, you know you are part of it. Hallelujah. That you will never be put to shame. I speak over somebody's life here. You will never be put to shame. In that business venture, you will not be put to shame. Those things you have laid your hands to do, you will never be put to shame. In your family, in your home, in your marriage, in your business, in your finances, there shall be no shame. If you believe it, shout amen. So God will not put you to shame. He will never put you to shame. Praise God. Glory be to God. So when you approach God with words like this, Isaiah 60, 11 says, instead of shame, you are going to have double. Praise God. 
Lawyers can't say in the court of law, I am sure he did it. I am sure he did it. No, you come with facts. You come with evidence. This is the evidence I have that God will come through for me. Why? He said he would never put his children to shame. He said it. And I'm his bonified child. I know there is no shame in my matter. Praise God. He's not a man that would lie. He's not the son of man that would repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he spoken? Will he not bring it to pass? Don't get sentimental. Present your case. Not emotions and sentiments. Present your case. Not emotions and sentiments. Present your case. Present the word of God. Present the scriptures. You need a platform of mercy. You need kingdom service. You need sowing. Let me show you once again how it works. I want to use the life of David to express this in 1 Samuel 30 from verses 1 to 8. Something happened in the life of David. David had bad news. In 1 Samuel 1 to 3, he went on a journey. Not only did he fail his interview, or he passed his interview, but they said he wasn't the right fit. Uh, the Philistines disappointed. The king had already assured him he was going to be employed, but when the generals came together, they said, look, in the midst of the battle, this guy can turn against us. It's not, it's not the right fit for the job. So he lost his employment. He came back with his men. As he was approaching his house, bandits have come, taken away all the wives and children. They've, they've burnt all his, uh, all his uh, houses or tents as they lived in in those days. And uh, he was left with nothing. Very bad testimony. It wasn't uh, a good news. I speak over your life. The word of God says only shouts of joy shall be heard in your own house. I come against every evil news, bad news, intended, uh, orchestrated by the kingdom of darkness against your life and your home and your experience. That will not be your experience in the name of Jesus. But however, it happened to David and uh, he cried. The Bible says he cried to the point he did not have any more strength to cry. And listen to me, there are things that happen in life that sometimes on the journey of life, there might be events that will happen that you will cry. Maybe as I'm speaking now, some people are even crying because you are in a spot, you are in a pit, you are in a place that is not good news. But listen to me by the power of God's spirit. Even Jesus Christ wept. The journey of life sometimes can make you shed tears. But don't stay there. That is not the place designed for you. It's an experience, quite all right. But it's not your permanent resident. Are you listening to me? Don't stay there in the valley of Baca. Don't stay there in the avenue of sorrow. Don't stay there in the clothes of weeping. What happened to David? The Bible says in verse 6, he encouraged himself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And after he encouraged himself, 
in verse 8, David engaged. God told him that he was going to recover all. He took his case to God. You see, after David, David did not go to God and was praying immediately. That's what I want you to see there. Yes, there was emotional time. He cried. There was a time he was weak. There was a time he cried and cried and no more strength to weep again. The first thing he started doing was strengthening himself, giving himself back confidence. Did you see that? In verse 6, he started strengthening himself back. He brought back his confidence in his God. He hadn't started praying here. No. He brought back confidence. See, in verse 6, and David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him because of the soul of the people. He was grieved, every man for his own sons. Then, verse 7, verse 7, and David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod to David. Praise God. And when he did this, in verse 8, he started inquiring of God. You see, he didn't start praying until verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord. He brought his case to the Lord. He presented his case. I'm sure one of the things he was saying there is that, no, you said to me there shall be no loss this year. I'm sure he brought strong cases to the Lord. You that watch over Israel, you don't sleep nor slumber. I knew you saw this. And because you saw them, you know where they are. And you know I'm going to go and recover all. He was bringing the strong reasons. When I gave back to my first son, my second son, my third son, my fourth son, you did not tell me that this is the way they will end. Praise God. He brought his strong reasons. Praise the Lord. He got hold of the world. In that same verse, God told him, in verse 8, God told him, he said, go. He said, shall I overtake them? He said, and he answered him, pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, you will recover how many? All. So David had the word. Don't go anywhere. Don't go to any battle without the word. He got hold of the word. So he could go and get his goods. Many people want to get their goods. They have no word. He took the word and pursued. I see somebody recovering all this morning in the name of Jesus. David presented his case, not complained. David did not go to God and say, eh? and you call yourself the almighty. You could not save my family. The way I have served you. You could not save my family. That's how some people will approach God. No. He didn't say come with complaints. Come with your strong reasons. I thank God because somebody hearing me this morning will, uh, will resign from the avenue of complaints. You will stop complaining and start taking action as far as the word of God is concerned. Can I hear a good amen? amen. Number four. Address the situation. That's step four. 
Address the situation. Mark eleven twenty three. If you say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and you will not doubt in your mouth, the Bible says you will have what you say. Many Christians miss it here. Prayer is not just God's word. You need to take action. After David got the word, he took action. You need to step out and act on the word. Take action on the word of God. You take action. If it's wealth and riches, you are believing God for. You have to command luck to get out of your life. You have to command luck to get out. You have to call those things that be not as though they are. Romans 4.17. You need to address the situation. You need to take action. Hallelujah. Sickness can be in your body, but it's not permitted by God to be in your body. You have the word. So what do you do? You take action on the word. You command that sickness to get out of your body. Praise God. Take action. Tell somebody, take action. That is what it means to address the situation. You take action. The Bible says you need to say to the mountain. That's action. You need to do something. Say to the mountain, be thou removed. You can't just say, I got the word, and you sit down with the word. No, you take action. You violently refuse. You push back the enemy. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. When you have the word, that's what you do. You command the enemy. You take action. I want to hear you say it again. Take action. Call your name there. Die or take action. Praise God. Number five, watch your confessions. People who are going to be victorious, watch their confessions. They don't say confederacy with them that say confederacy. They don't say negative words around them. Ban negative words around your vicinity. You are a spiritual entity. Negativity will stop your positivity. Don't allow the enemy to take charge of your lips. Because the power of life and death are in your tongue. You give life to something, you give death to something by your tongue. So you need to watch your mouth gate. Watch what you say. It's critical. The power of life and death is in the tongue of sickness. That is why you need to ban sickness from your life. I tell you there are people who are living 100% healthy today. Why? Because they watch their lips. They watch their lips. They watch what they say. They say the right things around their vicinity and environment. Why? They maintain the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. And he knows no negativity is allowed. Because the word of God says, don't say it before an angel. It is an error. Praise God. The way you hear me talk when I am sick is the same way you will hear me talk when I'm well. Because it's the same lingo. Praise God. It's the same language. You keep on saying the word of God. You keep on making it positive. You don't say, the Bible says, no inhabitant of Zion will say I'm sick. You can't hear it. that I, you, I am sick. What are you sick for? Praise God. You might have symptoms. You might have, you know, the, 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 the things that point to the fact that you might be sick. But you are not going to agree with that. Why? Simply because the power of life is where? It's in my tongue. The power of death is here. Once I agree with it, it will come to pass. 
Praise God. I said, praise God. Create your future. Proverbs 8.21, write it down. I don't want you to miss it. The power of life, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You, you have no husband yet. Yes, glory be to God. But don't go around saying I have no husband. Praise God. It's better to say my husband is on his way. Do you understand? That's what it means to confess positively. Say the right things. Don't let circumstances take the word of God from you. Keep on saying the right thing. When the, uh, Anna finished tabling her case before the Lord, the Bible says she went away and her countenance was no more sad. Don't go and say, oh, we've prayed. We just finished 20 days or 60 days prayer. Well, we don't know what will happen. Let's just keep on looking. How can you have your victory that way? You can't have your, well, we don't know. Well, we fast, fast, that's how we did two years ago. Fast pray, fast pray. No, no, fast pray, fast pray. And look at me now. Praise God. Praise God. So watch your confessions. Come on, tell yourself, die or watch your confessions. You need to be careful. Watch your confessions. Praise God. I won't say wrong things no more. No, no, no. Ban it away. Number six. Number six. Show physical action. Demonstrate it. First Samuel 2, 3. Like I talked about Hannah. After she, she said, the Bible says, do not talk exceedingly proud before God because in him all actions are weighed. Praise God. You need to show physical action. Praise God. You don't start with action. But when you have confessed, when you have declared, listen, let your actions support what you have done spiritually. You need the word of God on the inside of you. Dominant, resident, permanent. And lastly, because of her time, don't quit. Don't what? Don't quit. Don't give up at the edge of your miracle. Sometimes when the battle takes a longer time, we find often that believers kind of want to quit. Don't quit. Luke 18.1, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to give up. Men ought always to pray and not to cave in. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. He said, will he find faith on the earth when he returns? There's somebody out there under the sound of my voice. You are contemplating quitting. In fact, you have made up your mind to quit. God says, don't quit. Don't give up at the edge of your miracle. Don't give up at the brinks of your miracle. Your miracle is on the way. I speak to somebody. I said your miracle is on the way. You have fought for a long time. Don't give up at the dying minute. This is your season. This is your hour of celebration. I know it has been tough and rough, but God never left you. He never forsook you. He had you in mind all the while. And I know by the power of God, you are going to pull through. I said you are going to pull through. In the name of Jesus. Somebody is saying, oh, it has been two years. Pastor, I think I better quit this thing. Listen to me. Do not quit, said the Lord of hosts. Praise ye the Lord. 
Thank you, Father. Well, you can say out there, my friend, I've been waiting for my own miracle for a while, but my friend, he didn't even wait. God already did our own miracle. Why is my own difficult? Listen to me. Stop asking questions like that. Why is my own difficult? Why is my own difficult? First thing I want you to know is, uh, it happened for your friend, but you are not your friend. Go and check your birth certificate and your name with your friend. You see it's different. You are not your friend. There are so many factors put together. Why somebody's journey can be so fast and somebody's journey is slow and steady and somebody's journey can be with speed in different strands and different areas of life. There are so many factors to look at. Our families are different in the first place. Our lineage is different. Stuff we deal with in our individual families are different. The Bible says to the third and fourth generation, he would take vengeance from them. Who knew what your own foreparents did and who knew what your, the foreparents of your friends did? They are different. Are you listening? They are, are you listening? They are different. That is why some don't need to even fast and pray as much as others need to. Why? Because what is in their families? Don't quit because your God will not quit on you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. When you pass through the fire, I'm there. When the waters attempt to drown you, it will not drown you. Why? Because I'm there. Praise God. Don't quit. Don't quit. Receive the grace not to quit. Lift up your hands to heaven wherever you are right now. And say, Father, I surrender to you. I will not quit. I will not give up. In the name of Jesus. Come on, begin to speak to the Father. Begin to speak to the Father. There's victory for me. I will have victory on every side. These seven steps of victory will work for me. I pray over my life. You have arranged me to be victorious victorious I will be all the days of my life I am victorious I receive victory to find expression in my life victory in my health victory in my home victory in raising my children victory in my spouse's life victory in my family victory in my ministry victory in that which I lay my hands to do Victory in the morning, in the evening, all day long. Victory in my career. Victory in my business. Victory in my finances. Victory in my tomorrow. Victory in my projects. In the name of Jesus, I receive victory. Victory in my current battles. I have victory. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. There's a word for somebody out there. What men have called impossible in your life for some time, 
it has been impossible. You yourself have discovered, you yourself have concluded that this thing will not be possible in your life. But the Lord is sending me you to you this morning. He says he's reversing that case. He's reversing it for you. With men it may be impossible. Thus said the Lord of hosts, with men it may be impossible, but by virtue of today's meeting, and by virtue of who I am, saith the Lord of hosts, it is going to be possible for you. In the name of Jesus, there is somebody under the sound of my voice. You are having a long-term sickness. You have been sick for a while. You have trusted and trusted God. A time you thought it had gone, but it didn't really go. It had its way back into your body. But hear ye the word of God. God says, I am healing you permanently this morning in the name of Jesus. Receive your healing by the power of God in the name of Jesus. There is somebody out there. A business opportunity is coming your way. When it comes, you have the word right now. The Lord is telling me also, there are actually two people in that category. One person, the business opportunity has already come, but you have been doubting it. You are not too sure whether it's God or not. Hear ye the word of the Lord. Go for it. It is God's will. It is God's plan. It's God's purpose to elevate you in the name of Jesus. And the other person is still coming on your way. But when it comes, know that it is the Lord in the name of Jesus. This opportunity will bring you a major shift in the name of Jesus. You'll be surprised because you'll first be thinking of the finances, but you will find out that the Lord has already provided for the finances for it in the name of Jesus. Somebody out there, you have been trusting God for this job. It's a miracle job that is coming your way. You will be perplexed. You will be dazed. How can this job be mine? You'll be asking. But it is your turn. It is the time of great harvest for you. In the name of Jesus. Receive your miracle job. In the name of Jesus. Somebody's just believing God for a touch from the Lord. Lay your right hand on your chest right now. And just say, I receive. I receive my miracle touch. I receive that touch from the Lord. Psalm 138 verse 7 the Lord perfects that which concerns you in the name of Jesus this is a touch of intervention God is touching somebody's life right now he's stepping into somebody's terrain right now he's turning it around there is a change of story for somebody somebody is going to experience great harvest if you believe it shout yes Hallelujah. If you believe it, shout Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a, whew, whew, what a moment. I believe there are one or two people out there this awesome morning. You have not given your life to Christ. I know God wants to do something for you. It's an opportunity to join the greatest family on the earth, to join the body of Christ, to join the family of God. Thank you for listening. We hope you have been blessed by the word today. Please join our services every Sunday live at 9 a.m. 
at 11 a.m. and our Bible study every Friday at 7 p.m. at 95 Church Street, St. Catharines. We hope you have a wonderful week ahead and God bless you.